Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse football's change to a 3-3-5 defense and the effect of COVID on fall sports. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman. And our guest today is our great friend and former Syracuse linebacker, Jake Flaherty. Jake, how are you today? Thanks so much for coming back on the program. Doing great, Wes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jake, it's great to speak to you, and we'll get you started on this one. It's been a crazy four months or so. Catch us up on what you've been up to since we spoke to you around this time last year and what you've been up to during the quarantine. Well, I think when I spoke to you last year, I was actually still living in New York City, and I've since moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I got married and bought a house down there. And, uh, you know, I've been down there for about two years. My wife's a teacher there, and I'm, of course, songwriting. And uh, and just, you know, just very happy to, to have a new change of pace. It's obviously a, a huge contrast from, you know, living in the city to, you know, the national life. But uh, it's a welcomed, welcome change. How are you doing? Yeah, Jake, I'm doing about as well as I can be given what's going on with COVID. Uh, you know, just congratulations on the move and getting married. Really happy to hear you're doing well and you're staying healthy. Yeah, and as far as the uh, the quarantine stuff, we've actually been uh, away for the last couple of weeks, just taking a little summer break. And and uh, so it kind of feels normal right now just because we've been on the move. But certainly the, the last few months of quarantine from March to you know, March, April, May, June, you know, four, four months of pretty much uh, living inside and, you know, getting out when you can and, and, uh, you know, trying to find ways to stay active and, you know, definitely been, definitely been listening to a lot of podcasts. That's for sure. A lot of Netflix too at night. Uh, so, but um, it's been nice. I can't say that I've, I've hated the quarantine, but, you know, more importantly, I'm really hoping that, you know, for the, for the football communities around the country, you know, especially the seniors and stuff like that. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, the powers that be can, can, uh, 
piece together a season here. Um, so kind of looking forward to seeing what the ACC officials are going to be doing. Jake, you talked about listening to podcasts. I hope you listen to this one too. <laughs> and on that note, let's talk a little Syracuse football. When you were a senior in 2008, you were defensive captain and finished 10th in the Big East in tackles. You know linebacking as well as anyone. In the offseason, Syracuse's defense switched to a 3-3-5 scheme. What does that mean for a relatively young linebacking core? I think it's actually a fantastic move. Um, if you really take a look at the 3-3-5 defense, it's relatively simple. Um, as opposed to, you know, let's say when we were, you know, maybe the defenses we were running at Syracuse may be a little bit more complicated. Um, but, you know, both obviously very effective. But the 3-3-5, I think, will really uh, highlight some of the natural abilities of some of these younger linebackers, like you were saying. And, uh, you know, they got some guys out of, you know, 6 one 2 the young man there that, that we, we were mentioning. And, um the other fellow from Canada who's, you know, a rangy outside linebacker type who, you know, excelled on special teams. And, uh, you know, I think those guys are obviously going to be a, be a big part of, um, excelled on special teams and, you know, in addition to his, his regular snaps and, and uh, regular play. But I think those guys are going to be, you know, uh, just big parts of the, the, the puzzle there when they implement the three, three, five. And I, in general, I think it's a, a great change. Yeah, speaking of new defensive scheme, one of the things that you experienced during your time at SU was a coaching change, and specifically a new defensive coordinator change. Can you describe what that was like in light of Tony White coming to Syracuse as a new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think um, I think it's really just going to be a matter of you know the, the kids just buying into his philosophy, and uh, you know he, he obviously has amazing experience and was a former player himself, so he's a, he seems like, seems to be a player's coach. And, uh, you know, obviously it was a needed change, and, you know, there were some defensive issues last year, especially pertaining to the running game. And uh, I think this is a – this 3-3-5, um, the kids are really going to enjoy playing in it because it's very downhill. Uh, you know, there, there's there's not a ton of um, – there's there's – it's not it's it's not too complicated and I again as I said earlier I think it's going to really um, open up some of these younger guys these younger linebackers and get them coming downhill um, and I'm just really excited to see what they do. Let's talk specific linebackers now. Syracuse has two very different kind of linebackers. You have a guy like Tyrell Richards, 6'4", 234 pounds, a converted defensive lineman. Then you have someone like Michael Jones, 6'2", 11, more of a quick linebacker. They're two very different kinds of builds. In your experience, where do these two guys fit into the three-three-five scheme? I think that's a great question. And um, Wes, you, you're probably familiar with Rich Rodriguez's success you know, running the three three five at West Virginia. And, you know, they had a guy there and I think I was a true freshman when he played, but this guy was he was their middle linebacker. Okay. And so typically in that three three five defense, your two outside linebackers are going to be some of the best athletes on the field. Um so I think the young man you said he was six four, two thirty something, I believe. Um, where I would probably center him, you know, he he seems like a little bit of a hybrid player. I would probably want him, you know, in the in what what is called the Rob position or the right outside linebacker position. 
And uh, I don't know if Coach White's going to be stacking them, but that's the type of guy that's going to have to take on ISO, isolation with the fullback. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, the other outside linebacker on the other side is, is somewhat similar. Um, I think you want rangy guys uh, that are – I know it sounds uh, sounds counterintuitive, but you might – you know, some, and, you know with the way West Virginia ran it, they would have two outside guys that were – great athletes could really run sideline to sideline and then the middle linebacker believe it or not was actually a little bit smaller uh they at one point they had a guy who was six foot 200 pounds playing middle linebacker in division one i i know i'm making probably too many west virginia references but you know coach rodriguez obviously had some success there um and then so so the young man who's you know six foot 211 i think he would be great as the middle linebacker and, you know, they're going to need – what they're really going to need, what's super critical, is that they're going to need uh, zero technique, which is also known as the nose tackle, who will be uh, lined up head on that center. And obviously it's a hard world. You know, he's going to have to play those both A-gaps, and the Mike linebacker in turn will have to play off of that nose, depending on what kind of stunts they have going on and what kind of flow. Um, the Mike linebacker will also be required to really come down still on um, – you know, those guards and ear hold down, try to, try to, uh, you know, collapse holes, um, and, 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 and prevent, thus preventing those vertical seams and that, and those two A gaps. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think they, I think just, just given those two dimensions of those two linebackers, I would put the young man, uh, middle and then, uh, the other gentleman at, at outside and, you know, find another guy and for the, uh, for the left outside linebacker position who's, similar to that to that right guy and and uh you know making sure that your nose guard is on point that's great analysis jake and we'll get you out of here on this one we were talking pre-show about how we're not sure what's going to happen with fall football but let's just say everything goes off as planned with a full schedule how do you see syracuse football doing in 2020 well i think it's going to be super exciting um you know for the players for the coaches and uh for the fans you know because I know there's some talk of, you know, obviously Cuse is in the Atlantic, and then I know there's some talk of sprinkling in some of the coastal teams, and then there's some talk of, uh, you know, sprinkling in teams based on proximity. And then, of course, if Notre Dame is in the mix, I think that would be fantastic. Um, Syracuse historically has always uh, played them, and, you know, there's been some, some good outcomes and there's been some not so good outcomes, but nonetheless, I think it's great for the program. Uh, and then uh, I think I think they have I think they have great odds. I think they I think the four three five is going to make a huge difference, especially when it comes to stopping the running game, and uh, especially like we said with with some linebackers that are you know maybe a little bit younger. And then uh, and then also you know we just we just need the offense to come to play and score points, and and uh, certainly they're capable of doing that. And I just think it's going to be a great year. And you know I'm just I'm really praying and hoping for the kids that they get to play this last year. And obviously there's the potential that you have an extra year or a medical redshirt or you know, a pandemic redshirt, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, you know, just, just praying they, uh, they can all play and be injury-free. Jake, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, our great friend and former Syracuse linebacker, Jake Flaherty. Jake, great football analysis. Congratulations again on getting married in the move. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks a lot, Wes. Appreciate it, man. Really enjoyed speaking with Jake, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? 
I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, we're at the end of July now. We're still really not sure how the 2020 fall football season is going to play out, if it even happens at all. ACC Media Day was postponed. The ACC schools are meeting this week to potentially lay down plans for this fall. Brad, in an ideal world, how would this play out in the fall? Certainly in the best-case scenario, Wes, that anyone involved in college athletics wants is to play the 2020 season, obviously. And already we're at the point where we've seen cancellations from some of the smaller conferences. We've seen the Big Ten and Pac-12 already move forward with a conference-only schedule proposal. So the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are next. And as far as the ACC goes, well, they would also probably at this point just to play the games, uh, to take advantage of all the revenue that football produces, likely go along with that conference-only reduced season schedule, even delaying it into September if they have to, even pushing it back a little further into November or December even for the conference championship game, keeping those season-ending ACC-SEC games, which get huge TV ratings, which, uh, again, is part of that overall financial picture. Also now inviting Notre Dame into the ACC, as the Irish have already had three of their games uh, canceled for the upcoming season and already have six ACC teams on the schedule. No doubt would like to have Notre Dame involved in playing eight or even nine ACC games. So the ideal scenario, of course, is clinging to the hope that these games can be played, that these games can be played safely for the student-athletes and everyone associated with the programs, and at the same time understanding that there's going to likely in most parts of the country be no spectators in attendance, which will really set automatically a different atmosphere for that. So the reality, the fantasy, if you will, the best wishes for uh, college administrators is to move ahead with the 2020 season. But there are so many question marks surrounding that that obviously uh, we'll see what the decisions come for through the ACC athletic directors this week. We'll see with the recommendations they pass on to the ACC school presidents with Syracuse's own Kent Severud being the chair of the ACC board. And we'll see also how their interactions with the NCAA board of governors dictates ideally what they would like to happen for 2020 college football. Now, Brad, we just talked about the best case or ideal scenario, but we live in reality. So how do you see the actual football season playing out? I put it this way, Wes. Am I tone deaf or are these folks tone deaf? I, I, I see absolutely no way that college football can be played this fall. And let, let's start with the fact that these are student athletes. These are not professional NFL players. They're college students. And what do college students like to do? They like to socialize. And if anything that COVID-19 has told us, we have to practice social distancing, the exact opposite of what college students like to do. And unlike the NFL, you cannot create a bubble atmosphere as was used in the basketball tournament this summer, as what the NBA is doing in Orlando. And we've already seen with Major League Baseball after just the first weekend of the season, when you travel around the country, when you have players go out at night after games because they're professional athletes and that's what they do, this virus is so contagious 
it's going to spread. And some folks don't even know they have the virus, don't even understand they might be spreading it, and certainly don't understand the risks that are involved that older people that have maybe, you know, less of an immune system and all those elements that go into the medical aspect of this. So I don't see any way other than clinging to the hope by the NCAA, the athletic directors such as Syracuse's John Wildack and his peers in the conference and conference leadership that realistically they can play college football in the fall of 2020. I think it really goes back that until there is a vaccine, until there's medical clearance that we're you know, moving forward from the lives that we've all had to live since March, that you can have a contact sport be played and that you can involve college students who are going to be out and in mingling with people. And then if you throw in the travel aspect, well, every state has their own regulations as to who has to quarantine after traveling from one location to another. And that differs between the Northeast, that may differ between the Southeast, Midwest, et cetera. So when you look at all of those elements, I just simply do not see a way that they can play football this fall. And the other element I look at is this. Isn't it a paramount about the health and safety of the student athletes, the coaching staff, the administrators, anyone involved in a, in a university setting involved with college athletics, safety and health has to be paramount. There simply is no dollar figure that can be put on that. Realizing the huge tens of millions of dollars each school is losing in Power 5 football, understanding the hundreds of millions of dollars involved in TV contracts with conferences, and all the programming that it provides, the entertainment that it provides. Just do not see that happening until we're along the lines of some sort of medical breakthrough, a vaccine, where this, the health and experts guide us through the way we live our lives. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Kind of extending that same theme, Wes, I look at what some of the college basketball coaches, including SU's Jim Beheim, have made statements this summer about starting the college basketball season, maybe delaying it till around Thanksgiving, taking advantage Jim, of the right fact that show, students at many campuses, if they are indeed coming back for in-person uh, classroom uh, courses, will be going home for Thanksgiving for the rest of the semester. It's been suggested that maybe moving the college basketball season back to Thanksgiving to take advantage of no other students being on campus is the way to go. But alluding right back to what I was saying about uh, the risk element, uh, I just do not see how even college basketball can be played just like college football until we move forward from a medical standpoint. So I'm trying to grasp my hands around the fact that for the first time since 1943-44, when we, America was involved in World War II, there will be no Syracuse football or basketball played in the 2020-21 uh, academic year. And just making that statement for someone that has followed Syracuse athletics since 1975 really boggles my mind as to how the whole world has changed with COVID-19 and as we've drilled down specifically talking here, 
as it relates to college athletics and Syracuse athletics. Brad, my closing thoughts are on the NBA and specifically Carmelo Anthony. The NBA, like all sports, has been on hiatus since March, but we're finally going to get an NBA restart this week. Carmelo Anthony and the Portland Trailblazers will finish out the regular season seeding games beginning this Friday, July 31st, against Memphis in the NBA bubble. There's been lots of buzz about Carmelo Anthony being in the best shape of his life. I'm really looking forward to getting to watch some high-level basketball on TV again. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I think a dartboard that makes a little ouch sound whenever a dart hits it would be a good invention. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.